And that is a vision. Because, you know, we can come up and we can preach till we're blue in the face. We can show you videos. But until you hear it from God himself, it will not make an impact within our lives. Habakkuk chapter 2. And we're going to begin in verse 1. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just, the just shall live by his faith. See, Franklin Field said this. He said, poor eyes limit your sight, but poor vision limits your deeds. See, if you don't have a vision for the future, if you don't have a vision from God, you're not going to do a whole lot in the kingdom of God. We need to have vision. In the book of 12,000 Religious Quotations by Frank Mead, he made a list of men that had vision throughout history. I'm just going to name a couple of them. Alexander the Great and Napoleon Bonaparte was on the list. Well, they had a military vision. Then you had Leonardo da Vinci. You had Mozart. They had an artistic vision. Then you had Thomas Edison, the Wright brothers. Well, they had a vision for invention. I added a couple to the list. You have Pastor Sonny Argonzoni. And 43 years ago, he had a vision to reach the inner cities for Jesus Christ. It started for L.A., but then it expanded globally throughout the world. Then Pastor Steve, he caught that vision, and he came up to Hayward. He ran with that vision. Then he began to have a vision for the Philippines. He began to have a vision for Indonesia. He began to have a vision for South Africa. Are you with me? And that vision continues to spread today. That's why we have to have vision. Got vision? That would be my question. See, what was it that allowed them, all these men that we read about, including Pastor Sonny and Pastor Steve, to rise above everybody else? It was their vision. That was it. Because they saw what God, especially in the kingdom, they saw what God wanted to do in the future. See, it's the ability to see what others don't and the courage to act on it. But see, sometimes people see it, but they don't act on it. And we have to have that courage. You know, it takes guts. It takes guts to leave everything you're comfortable with sometimes and begin to go to another country to go somewhere and do something great for God. Are you, are you with me? John Maxwell puts it this way. Vision is the ability to see, the faith to believe, and the courage to do. See, vision is not just seeing. It's not just perceiving, but it's seeing the big picture, seeing what God sees. You know, sometimes that's where we miss the mark. Because we think we see what God sees, but we really don't. We kind of have tunnel vision. We kind of see what everything's dictated to us. I mean, we live in a land of, of, of want. We live in a land now that has all these problems financially. Hello? People's house, they're losing their houses, they're losing their jobs. And that can constrict your vision. And all of a sudden, you begin to think, I can't do nothing for God. Right? But see, 
I think, think the big picture is the ability to step back and not look at your situation and begin to look from a different perspective, to look from God's perspective. How many play chess? When you're playing the game, you know you miss moves, right? You do. I, I don't care how good you are at chess, but if you're sitting there in the game, you miss moves. But if you take a step back and you're just watching two guys play, you see moves that they don't see. Are you with me? And, and it's the same way with God. He sees moves that we don't see. He, he has a better perspective. He's looking up here. He goes, oh, man, you should move over here. All right? But we don't see it because why? We're in the mix. We're in the game down here. That's why sometimes we have to have the ability to step back from our problems, these things that are happening in our life, all the confusion around us, and say, God, I need to see from your perspective. I need to see what you see. I need to see the end to this thing. Because, man, let's face it, there's a lot of problems in the world right now. I mean, people are dying everywhere. It's not easy. See, Habakkuk the prophet, in chapter 1, he saw the collapse of the kingdom. He saw the Babylonians begin to rise up. And if you read chapter 1, man, he was distressed. He didn't have vision in chapter 1. He was having all, he was narrow vision. He was tunnel vision. He saw the need. He saw the hurt. He was burdened, the Bible says. He didn't see it. See, he saw the injustice that was all around. And he began to cry out to God, God, what are you going to do about it? Why? Because he didn't see the big picture. He didn't know that God was using that in his life. God was using that in Israel. He didn't understand it because he was focused on all the problems, all the injustice, all the bad things that were happening. Are you still with me? I believe that he was depressed in chapter 1. I believe he was bogged down. If you read chapter 1, we don't have time now, but if you read it, you're going to see, man, this guy, he was like tripping. He was like tripping. He probably needed medication. Just kidding. But see, all he could see was the injustice. That's all his eyes could see. He couldn't see what God was doing. He couldn't see the big picture. See, he lacked vision. It's like a tapestry. Women know what a tapestry is, right? Has anybody sewed a tapestry? We don't have the patience for that, I know. But if you look at a tapestry... And you look underneath, it's all messed up. It's different colors. It doesn't make sense. It's very confused, right? But when you look at the top of a tapestry, it's a beautiful picture. And that's how it is with us. We're down here, and we're looking up, and, man, everything's confused. We don't understand. But God's looking down at a beautiful picture. He knows exactly what's going to happen in the future. He knows that he's not confused at all. But we get confused because we're here with tunnel vision, not looking at the big picture. But when we separate and we get a hold of God, then we begin to see what God sees. And every, all of a sudden, everything begins to make sense. See, that's the way it was with Habakkuk. See, what prevents or hinders our vision? Well, like Habakkuk, most of us live with narrow focus in life or tunnel vision. See, we let outside influences hinder our vision. And they even define our lives. They even define our lives. You may not think so, but listen to this. Most of us lack control of our lives because we've surrendered control to certain obligations that we have or people that are around us. Are you hearing me? It's very quiet. Why is it so quiet? It's supposed to be having fun. It's church. 
Amen. Sometimes we surrender to, number one, finances. We surrender control. We allow the finances to limit our vision. Because I don't have finances to do this, we can't do it. But let me tell you something. My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If my God gives me a vision, we can do it. Are you with me? But sometimes we, we get so caught up because of the financial thing that if God gives us a vision to do something, we say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't have the money to do it. Well, let me tell you, that's not living by faith. That's living by sight. See, God teaches us to live by faith and not by sight. We just recently got a, a, a building for our church. We were like in the wilderness for a year doing the basketball court thing and the Suki market thing and just going down and down. We had 250 people, and we narrowed down to like 30, 35. So that was a very hard year for me. I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up, but I didn't because God gave me a vision. Then God said, well, you got 30 people, so go get a building. And I looked at the bank account. I looked at my wife. I looked at the bank account. I looked at my wife and said, we're getting a building. We got the building. Not because we have money, but because we have faith. We had God's vision. We saw what he's seen. You know what? We've tripled in just about three or four months already. Why? Because we stepped out of faith. And we're believing God for great things. Now, because we stepped out in faith, guess what? We're going to Cape Town. If I would have sat there on my little vision, poor us, we can't do nothing. I ain't got no money. I can't do nothing. I wouldn't be going to Cape Town. You can believe it. See, God honors faith. He honors vision. You step out a little bit, he'll step with you. You step out a little bit more, he'll step with you. Don't let finances stop you from completing the vision that God has for your life. We need to get this church finished. Are you guys with me? Don't let the finance, don't let the, oh, man, we, we need a stimulus. No, we got God's stimulus. We don't have to worry about all that. God's in control. We got to trust God. Don't let it dictate your lives. Because you know what? Finances will control you. It's a spirit. It'll, it'll just control your life, and you'll never do anything for God. Secondly, sometimes we surrender control to time, to time. We've allowed schedules to dictate our lives. We get so busy, we're too busy for God. We're too busy to come to church. We're too busy to get involved in a journey group. We're just too busy. We can't get involved in Veti. We can't, we can't do anything. I don't have time. We got a to-do list. Man, we better do it. And we don't make plans for God. Thirdly, we surrender to family or friends. Especially in the Philippines, this is big. Because in the Philippines, Elizabeth probably knows, you might have three generations in one house. And the able body is the one that provides for everybody. You get a job in the Philippines, they work you like a Hebrew slave. They want you to work seven days a week, ten hours a day. Pull you right out of the ministry. Pull you right out of church. But because of the pressure of the family, they're working and they backslide, but they're still working. And they're no longer following the vision of God. It happens here. In the home, man, we're all, oh, praise the Lord. God's going to bless me with a job. Well, then you get your job. How many guys are missing because they got their job? 
They forget about who gave them the job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Never forget who blessed you. See, we can't let the jobs dictate our purpose in life. You know, sometimes it even begins to conform us and we begin to say, well, I'm a plumber or I'm a carpet layer. No, you're not. You're a Christian. You're a man or a woman of God. That's just what you do. That's not who you are. But we allow these things to begin to conform us and we become that. Are you with me? Let me ask you, who's calling the shots in your life? Or what is calling the shots? Is your vision being hindered? Is it? Turn with me to the book of Psalms. Keep your finger on Habakkuk. Psalms 139. I got to share this. This morning, I asked Pastor Joseph if she's seen the sign. How many have seen the sign out in front? What does it say? It says pure sex, right? She asked me, well, what does the sign say? And I say, pure joy. <laughs> it was a Freudian slip. You guys will get that on the way home, amen, when you drive by the sign. Oh, never mind. If you're like Filipinos, I always got to explain my jokes. <laughs> Psalms 139, beginning in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. That is the most powerful scripture in the Bible. That's how precious you are to God. Before you were even created, before he created the world, before he created everything, he knew you. He knew exactly his plans for your life. He loves you so much. He knew exactly what he was going to do. You're special to God. See, we need to understand that. That was the vision that God had for us. He had a vision for you and I. See, in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there's no vision, the people what? Perish, right? Let me tell you something. Even when you feel like perishing, the vision moves you forward. It keeps you going. Because there's been time, I got to tell you the truth. In 2009, that was a very difficult year for us. And there was times I'd be praying and say, Jesus, come now. Don't waste it. Come now. We're ready. Come on. Because I just didn't want to face another day. But let me tell you, the vision keeps you moving forward. No matter what's happening around you, no matter how bad you feel, no matter how the circumstances are piling up, it doesn't matter. Why? Because you're trusting the Lord. You're trusting the Lord. He's given you a vision, man. That's what keeps you in the field. That's what keeps you in your marriage. That's what keeps you in the church, the vision that God has given your life. See, we need to have that vision. God, vision. Got to have it. See, each of us got to have a vision for our lives. And together, we have to have a vision for our church. We've got to want the best for this church. 
We want to see this church flourish. We want to see it beautiful because this is the church that's going to reach out to the world. We need to believe that. We need to understand that. That is God's vision for this ministry. Man, we're world shakers. There's not a whole lot of victory after you sending churches in Asia. Oh, we're the only ones. Sorry. Is this on? We are the ones. The 1040 window, that's ours. We're going to take it for God's honor and God's glory. That is ours. Get ready because we're going to be having an Asian conference very, very soon. Very, very soon. Things are going to change. We're going to begin to blow up, blow out, and send out churches. You can believe that. And it started right here. This is it. God has a great vision for this church. We need to back that up. We need to fight for it. We need to do what we got to do. Amen? There's 100,000 people out there we got to reach. Two weeks ago, I got 32. Amen. I got to get some more this week. See, together we got to have a vision. Now, how do we catch the vision? Well, remember, Habakkuk only saw circumstances. He didn't see the big picture. Right? In chapter 1, he didn't see it. He lacked vision. He was burdened by what he saw, the Bible says. And the Hebrew word is masal. It means to carry a load, a burden, chiefly a doom. In other words, he was like doom and gloom. Have you ever seen people like that? They're so depressed, everybody gets depressed and sees them. This is how he was. He was just like, oh, what's Igor? What's that guy, Igor? That was your, your favorite guy, huh? Igor, okay. Valentina's favorite character. <laughs> but that's how he was. He was probably sackcloth and ashes. He ripped his stuff, and he's just moping around, feeling sorry, having a pity party, needing Prozac or whatever they take. I don't know. Maybe Pastor Neva could tell you. I don't know. But he was all jacked. I mean, all he's seen was gloom. There's going to be times in your walk with God that you're going to, all you're going to see is darkness on a sunny day. You're not going to be able to see the flowers. You're not going to be able to see the trees. You're going to feel depressed. But let me tell you, joy comes in the morning when you trust the Lord. There's going to be time for grieving, but there's a time for laughter. And you need to understand that when you got a vision from God, it keeps you moving. See, but he didn't have it yet. He didn't have it yet. He was still in gloom. His vision didn't go past his problem. He didn't see God working. He never saw the big picture. And that can happen with us. Sometimes, man, we think that God left us when we're going through trials. No, God's preparing you for greater things. Sometimes we think that, man, because all these circumstances, people talking about you, all these different things, man, why is this happening to me? Well, God is trying to do something in our lives. See, we got to look at the big picture. God, what are you trying to deal with in my life? What are you trying to show me instead of having a pity party and trying to invite everybody with you? Amen? See, he was crying out to God. Why? Because he needed a vision. So how did Habakkuk catch the vision from God? What was he doing? Okay, look at chapter 2 of Habakkuk again. In verse 1. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. And watch to see what he will say to me. And when I, when I, well, I will answer when I am corrected. 
The first thing you got to do is stand. You got to stand. The Hebrew word for stand is amad. It means to endure. It means to take one's stand, to persist, to hold one's ground. See, when everything is going wrong around you, when there's no light at the end of the tunnel, when everything's broken down, when everything's falling apart, you got to stand. You got to stand on what you believe. You can't fall to the left or to the right. There's no reverse in the kingdom. You got to keep going forward. You got to stand your ground. Because, man, when you feel like quitting, man, don't quit. Just stand your ground. God will meet you where you're at. God is faithful. He's faithful. Hold your ground. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up. Don't give up. We've got to get that quitting thing out of our vocabulary because there's no quit, no reverse, no retreat, no surrender. We've got to keep fighting. The second thing it said there in verse 1 was he watched. you got to watch. Write that down. See, in this verse, there are two different Hebrew words for watch. The first one, I'm going to try to say it, mishmereth, which is a military watch. That's what it means. It means to guard. It's the act of watching. It's being like a sentry, an obligation or a service. So it's being like on your watch looking for the enemy to come. It's that type of watch, okay? The second one is safa. It's vision for the future. It means to lean forward, to peer into the distance, to keep watch or spy, to watch closely. See, in other words, he's saying be faithful doing your duties, but be always looking to the future. Be faithful where God has you right now, but always looking to the future. See, if you have a job, you're faithful to your obligation. You're faithful at your job. When you come to church, you're faithful in the ministry. You're faithfully giving your tithe. You're faithfully giving offerings. You're being faithful in every area. If you're a teacher, whatever you're doing in the ministry, you're faithful on your job, but you're always looking to the future. Don't get caught in the here and now, but always looking to the future. See, in other words, he was watching the future closely but being faithful where he's at, but watching closely. He stayed focused on God's business. See, we got to watch God's business more than we watch our own. Are you, are you with me tonight? We need to focus on God's business. God will grant you the desires of your heart. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for bread. He'll take care of you. He'll make it happen. He's faithful. Let me tell you, there's times when, when, we rent, when it's time for rent, right? <laughs> I mean, no, we all go through that. And the last time, we, we had nothing in the bank. I mean, just before I came. And, and somebody came that doesn't even go to our church. He went through the home years ago. He goes, oh, God told me to, to bless the ministry. He gave us just enough for the rent. And even three days for the check to clear so we wasn't late. God's faithful. He is faithful. I'm telling you. you. You watch God's business, he'll take care of your business. But what happens when we lose focus, we're taking care of our business and we mess everything up. It's a lot better when God's in it. The third thing that it says there, he listened. He listened. He kept a listening ear. He was attentive to the voice of God. In fact, that word attentive here 
is ra'al. In the Hebrew, it means to give attention and to discern. It's speaking about mental concentration. In other words, he was so into hearing the voice of God. You know, sometimes a God will wake us up at 3 in the morning. That's not because you, you're hungry, okay? The first thing we think, well, maybe I need to eat a sandwich. No, that's not why God wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning. The reason he wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning is because it's quiet. And so you can hear his voice. That's the time when you need to stop yelling at God. He's not deaf, okay? God knows your heart. He knows what you need. He knows your desires. It's time to listen. Just get along with God. Say, God, I'm here. Speak to me. Remember when God called Samuel as his little child in the middle of the night? He heard the voice of God. See, we just have to listen. Don't talk so much. I think that's why Philip LaCruz says, shut up. Because we need to shut up sometimes. We need to listen. God wants to speak. He doesn't want to make it a great secret. He wants to give you a vision for your life. That's how God is. He wants to give the best to his children. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Right? He wants what's best for you. So naturally, he wants to show you where to go, like a good father would. He doesn't want us running in the street. Ah! Right? You got to listen. Not only do we need to stand our ground and keep watch, but we need to hear from God. And number four, answer. He said, I will answer when I'm corrected. Answer is shub. I like that word. Say shub. Shububudoo. Shububudoo. I can't sing, but anyway. Shub. Shub. It mean, you know what it means? This is heavy. It means to turn back to God and repent. That's what it means. It means to turn back to God and repent. See, that's how you answer God. When God begins to speak to you, man, let me tell you, he reveals when we miss the mark. He reveals these compromises within our life. And, and that's the time that, okay, we hear him. Now it's time to answer and turn around. Oh, I got to go the other way. I need to change my lifestyle. I need to change certain things within my life. See, I believe when we don't stand our ground, we don't keep watch, we don't listen to God, we're missing the mark. We are missing the mark because vision is revealed to a pure heart. Write that down. Vision is revealed to a pure heart. That's why we need to repent. That's why we need to turn away from our past, turn away from what we used to do, the things we're sneaking around doing. We need to leave that alone, turn around, turn back to God. That's what it means. That's shub. Turn to your neighbor and say, you want a shub? <laughs> I just like that word, man. Shub. Uh, Daniel, we're going to work on a rap, man, a shoe rap, okay? Shoe. See, when Habakkuk repented, God answered him. Look, look at verse 2. Then the Lord answered me. See, I told you. And he said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Look at verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, what's that next word? Wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. 
See, the Lord answered. Now, when the Lord answered, that was a different word than shub in the Hebrew. It was ana. It means to answer, respond, pay attention, or to I. In other words, when we stand our ground, when we watch God, when we listen and turn back to God and repent, we have God's attention. How many want God's attention right now? I know I need the attention of God in my life. But see, when we do all these things and we turn around and we repent, we get God's attention. He's saying, man, look, look. Man, i got to give him a vision. Look what he's doing. He's he really seeking me with all his heart. He wants to change. She wants to change. i got to get focus on them right now. I'm going to give them a plan. I'm going to give them a purpose. I'm going to give them a destiny. I'm going to show them where to go. That's how God operates. That's how you get vision. See, when we stand our ground, we watch God, we listen, we turn back and repent, his eye's on you. His eye's on you. His vision is already in you. Everyone here, man, God has been speaking. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you. God's been speaking to your life. But are you listening? Are you turning around and repenting? And if it seems like it's not going to happen, what the Bible say? Wait for it. We've been out there for a long time. April will be 16 years I've been in the Philippines. That's a, some of you ain't even 16 years old. Or you were babies when I went out, amen. I'm getting old. But sometimes the vision doesn't happen right away. But you got to wait for it. You got to wait for it. See, we have to stand our ground. We have to watch God. We have to listen. We have to turn back to God and repent. And then you got to wait. But the word wait, this is a heavy word. I really like this word. It's how ha. <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. But anyway, you know what it means? To wait in ambush. Remember those old cowboy movies? Right? And you'll get this guy, they'll be up on the ravine, right? And, and, and the guys are coming down on the horses. He'll be waiting in ambush. What's he doing there? He's loaded up. He's ready to go. He's waiting for them to come so he can pull the trigger, right? That's how it is with us. When the vision comes, we got to be waiting in ambush. In other words, we got to be ready. When the vision comes, you got to be ready. You got to say, man, I know God called me to do this. This might not be my time yet, but it's coming. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to get my passport. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to do what I need to do. That way, when it comes, I'm going to get on the plane. I'm going to go to a country. I'm going to do what God called me to do. You prepare yourself. You go to a vet. You take classes. You do what you need to do. So when the vision comes, you're not sitting around, oh, well, I'm called to do this, but I'm not ready. It happens. I remember I go to different churches sometimes. I remember an usher told me, I love ushers. I love you guys. But he said he was called to go to the foreign field in 1978 or something like that. And he thought I was going to say, oh, well done, that good and faithful servant. I said, what are you still doing here? Why are you still here? If God called you and gave you a vision to go somewhere else, what are you doing? You were not waiting in ambush. You're just hanging out. You're just doing you got to be ready. We just had a class last week, and that's what Pastor Josie was talking about. If you want to go out, you got to be doing what you need to do right here. Because if you're not doing what you're going to do right here, you'll never do it out there. 
That's waiting in ambush. You're prepared. You're ready to go. And that way when it comes, bam, you're going to pounce on it. Are you with me? See, it's a process to catch the vision. I can't give you a formula. I can just give you what I, what I read right here. But it's still a process. It's something you've got to go through with God. I mean, I can preach till I'm blue in the face or I lose all my hair, the rest, or whatever. But that's not going to give you vision. It's when you're in that quiet place with the Lord. That's when God is going to give you a vision for your life. See, it's a process. You've got to do the right things. You've you got to want it. You've got to hunger for it. You've got to say, Lord, I, I'm, I don't want to be with the status quo anymore. I want to go to the next level. I want to see what you have for my life. You guys with me? See, vision arises from purpose. Do you have a purpose? Do you know your purpose? See, if you don't know your purpose, you'll never have a vision. You've got to know why God created you. He didn't create you just to get you in heaven. Maybe in the Holy Ghost freestyle church down the street, but not here. Because we have a vision. We have a purpose. We have a destiny. We're going to reach souls all over the world for God's honor and glory. We're going to plant churches. Have you read the mission statement? It's not about reading. It's about living it. It's about living it. We've got to focus on the big picture. What does God want to do? It's time for us as a people to stop playing church and start looking ahead. Because I don't know if you're hep to the news or not, but Jesus is coming back. I'm surprised he's waited this long. You know, sometimes they say, take me now, take me now. But I know that there's something ahead. I know there's something he wants to do. There's going to come a time when somebody, man, we're going to be on the streets and we're going to be witnessing the people and there's going to be a final amen. Wouldn't you like to be the last amen? You, you lead somebody to Christ, they say amen, and boom. Wouldn't that be nice? That, I want to be doing that. I hope I'm the one. But I don't want to be doing what I'm not supposed to be doing when that final amen comes. We got to be real. This is not a time to play games. I believe the time as we know it, this age is going to be closing. And we're going to be on the first boat out if we're saved. Amen. You guys with me? See, when we know our purpose, it focuses our power. And we begin to operate in our power spot. That's very important. It enables us to reach our full potential. Let me give you four steps as we close. Number one, I dare you to pray and seek the word of God. I dare you. I dare you. I double dare you. Secondly, I dare you to dream big. Don't think small. Dream big. Thirdly, dare to believe that God will do great things through your life. You got to believe it. Doesn't matter where you came from. What matters is where you're going. And dare to act. Dare to act. Attempt something so impossible that if God is not in it, you're going to fail. Then you're going to have God's attention because God's not going to let you fail. He loves you too much for that. See, God had a vision when he created the heaven and the earth. He had a vision for you. He had a vision of you. He has a purpose for you, a destiny. As Luis comes, see, vision without action is only a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. I think we've all been there. But what vision will do, it will take lukewarm Christians 
and turn them into soldiers that are going to change the generation. That's the type of vision that God wants to give us tonight. That's the vision, to make an impact in the world. Because vision will give us stability. It will give us guidance. It will give us excitement. If you're not excited about what's happening in, in church, if you're not excited about what God is doing, then you need some vision, my friend. Do you got vision? But one more thing I want to add. Vision brings glory to God, not man. Glory to God. Because we're nothing without him. As long as we're content with the status quo, we will never discover God's vision. There's got to be something inside that begins to stir within our lives. So you know what? I can't take it like this anymore. There's got to be a change. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something different. And when you get that in your spirit, God's going to show you. He's going to show you. Then you need to have the courage to act. Stand your ground. See, God gives vision to people who are desperate. Desperately seeking him. Desperately want change. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. challenge you tonight if you're here and you haven't received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior that's the beginning of life that's the beginning of your purpose your destiny your vision will come out of that but if you don't know the maker you don't know the creator you don't know the lover of your soul nothing will change you'll be stuck I know I was stuck for many years, but Jesus can change that. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you want to receive Christ in your life tonight, just slip up your hand and you can put it right down. Anybody. If you want to receive Christ as your Lord.